Well, welcome everyone. It's good to see you this weekend. We've been in a, uh, a series the last few weeks called The Imitation Brand, and uh, th- we're going to finish this series up this weekend. The basis of this series has been this uh, kind of question and idea. There are certain things we're taught in life that are, are the path to happiness, that if we achieve these things, if we hit this mark, if we connect with these people, if we make this money, it, that if we succeed in these things, that is what a full life, a fulfilling life, a happy life is going to, uh, to equal, even an eternal life. There's a way to pursue salvation. And we're raised in these things. It's just kind of normal. It's what we always know. It's why we go to school a lot of times. It's why we pursue the jobs and get the things that we get because we're told that if I want to make my life count, if I want to be happy, if I want to be satisfied, I got to have this stuff in my life. The Bible also talks to this idea. The Bible says there is other things that might fill our soul. There are other paths to eternal life. God would define that pretty clearly, that there is a life over here that is a life that can be lived to the fullest. It's an abundant life. And in order to achieve that life, you kind of go and, and pursue these other things. And so what we're doing is we're comparing these two philosophies. If this is kind of the philosophy, let's call it, of our culture, and this is the philosophy of God, and those two things don't line up, what should we do? And so we've been examining that a little bit, and we found that sometimes what the culture teaches, what the Bible teaches are similar, or it's just benign, it doesn't really matter, you can kind of do what you want, but there are other elements of it that are very, very, very different. And this is where the Bible will kind of raise its hand a little bit and say, "Uh, hang on, you need to look at that, because this is a Bible quote, the Bible says, there is a way that seems right to a man but in the end, it leads to death. There are things that seem normal and natural and everybody agrees, and, but in the end, you lose your soul. It takes you away from the heart and the mind of God. And then the Bible says there's a path of life. There, there's a path, it's a narrow path, but it's a path of life. And when I go down this path, I can connect with God, I can receive eternal life and life to the fullest or life abundantly. And the Bible would say, we need to be real careful which path we're on And if we're not on the path that leads to Christ, we need to pivot and move to that path. Now, the Bible says that there's two basic reasons why someone would not be on this path that leads to God. Uh, The first reason is what the Bible would term uh, rebellion, that I know what God wants and I just refuse to do it. I don't don't care. I'm not living that way. I'm not doing that. I'm going to do what I want to do. And some of us, many of us are on that path, like we're walking away from God because we've decided to walk away from God. Another reason that we're on this path, and I believe it's actually the predominant reason in our culture, is what the Bible calls ignorance. The Bible says we're ignorant. Now, when the Bible uses the word ignorant, it's not insulting us. It's not, we would hear it differently in our culture than the Bible means it. So the Bible's not saying you're stupid or you're dumb. The Bible's concept of ignorance is that I just don't know. No one ever told me. I didn't even know there was another option over here. I'm, I'm ignorant of it. And so the Bible says, as we learn God's word and we interact with God, the knowledge of God takes us and kind of makes us aware of this and causes us to move in a different direction. So we've been pressing at this pretty hard for the last few weeks and um, kind of leaned in heavily to certain areas of this. And uh, if that's something that you want to listen to or kind of catch up to speed on, uh, you can go out to our website, graceohio.org. And you can watch those conversations or listen to them. Uh, you can sign up for a podcast for free through iTunes if you want and kind of catch up on that and think it through for yourself and kind of decide for yourself. 
This weekend, what I want to do is I want to kind of put a, a cap on this conversation. And I want to I do that by thinking through together how to identify a imitation brand. Uh, when you think about life, the Bible does not give you like blow-by-blow instructions about how to live life, right? It, it doesn't. What the Bible does is it gives you uh, the Word of God, it gives you the leading of the Holy Spirit, which is a biblical concept, and it gives you like wisdom and discernment to kind of see through things. So when you think about the imitation brand, the, the Bible's not going to say, thou shalt not do this, not very often. What it's going to say is weigh it. Think about whether it's eternal, does it please God, is it of value? And so we have to have wisdom and discern our way through it. So I want to show you kind of how to do that and, and what that, what that would, would look like. When you think about an imitation brand, just in our culture, in our consumer culture, the, the basic promise of an imitation brand is this, that instead of buying the real thing, you can buy this instead, and this is cheaper, it's easier, and it's faster. So I can just get this instead, it's cheaper, it's easier, it's faster, and it will do the exact same thing, right? If I get this name brand, that's all, it's all hype, it's overpriced, cheaper, easier, faster, and I'll get the same result, and I'll be fully satisfied because of it. Now, in our culture, we're, we're consumers, so we're savvy to this. Like, we know it doesn't really work. It's why if you buy Tylenol, you take two, you feel better. If you buy the ripoff brand, you have to take, like, the bottle, right? And so, and then maybe if you're blessed, you get a coma out of it, right? It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And we, we know it. We're savvy about it. We know that the TV infomercials and things like that don't work. We have to kind of translate that into our lives spiritually then, and the same thing is true spiritually. There are imitation brands, there are philosophies and ideas and even social norms that are not from God that promise to give us what Jesus promises to give us. So we would look and say there's imitation brands like spirituality or religion. If you're a spiritual person or a religious person, that's the exact same thing as being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It's just cheaper, easier, and quicker, right? Um, I can look and say, if I, could, if I just had freedom, if I could just do whatever I wanted to do, that, that's the key to having a satisfying life. Where Jesus might look and say, actually, if, if you actually followed me, didn't just tack me onto your life a little bit, but followed me, I would actually give you a satisfied life. This is cheaper, easier, and quicker, but this is the real, the real thing, right? So I'm weighing those two things. Um, an example of this is like how we interact with the Bible. A lot of times we would look and say, uh, just like, give me the big stuff out of the Bible, like the, the, the stuff that sends you straight to hell, you know, do not pass go. And then give me like the comforting stuff, like the, the back of the coffee mug stuff. And that's all I need to know about God. And God would say, actually, no, you, you actually need to press in and really get into who I am and what I'm like and what I'm saying to you through the Bible. And that's going to be the key to a satisfying life. So that ripoff flows into us spiritually, right? That it's cheaper, it's easier, it's faster, it, it, it's not as costly, and I get the same result. And the truth is, not at all. Like only Christ will satisfy, only Christ will do, and only Christ can give what we're looking for and what he promises to do. Now this imitation brand temptation, let's call it, is actually nothing new. And what I want to show you this week is I want to show you where it comes from, where it tends to show up in our life, what it might look like, how it might play out, and a little bit about what we can do about it. 
And I wanna show you that right out of Jesus's life. This actually happened to Jesus. He was offered these same imitation brands. He recognized it, he kind of returned the volley, he wouldn't buy it. And I wanna show you how those showed up in his life and when they showed up in his life. And then I wanna show you how he responded to it. So grab your Bibles if you got them and go to Matthew chapter four, Matthew chapter four. If you don't have a Bible, there's some there in the chairs. It's page 676 in those Bibles in the chairs. And if you don't own a Bible or a newer one and you want a copy of it, just take one of those with you. And if you have an electronic device, uh, we use the version app, Y-O-U version. You can open that or download it. Hit live event. We're Grace Church. And our zip code is 44333. And you can grab it that way. Matthew chapter four. This is Jesus being tempted with the imitation brands. Verse one, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry and the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, verse eight, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels attended him. And Jesus is being tempted. He's being offered the imitation brands. The Bible says that he's tempted in every way that we are tempted, lest the eyes, lest the flesh and pride of life. And so all those things Jesus can relate to, the Bible says he can sympathize with us in those. And you see the evil one throwing them out there. It's, it's age old. And it happened before Jesus, it happened to Jesus, it happens to you and me. And it's an attempt to get us to get on a path that takes us away from the heart and mind of God, as opposed to the path that takes us to the life that we actually long to have. So what's this gonna look like? When's it gonna show up and how's it gonna play when, uh, when it shows up in your life? Let's start with how's it gonna show up. Imitation brands are most often gonna show up in our life when, when we are worn out and weak. They're the most tempting, they're most inviting when we are worn out and weak. And this is exactly what Satan does with Jesus. Matthew chapter four, verse one, then he was led by the spirit, Jesus was led by the spirit to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's a big, important sentence. We'll get back to it in a minute. And after fasting or not eating for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it's written, man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus is out in the wilderness. He's been led there by the spirit of God. He has fasted. Fasting is a spiritual discipline in the Bible. It's something that God encourages us to do. So he's fasted for 40 days, 40 nights. It was a super duper long fast. At near the end of those 40 days and 40 nights, the tempter comes and says to Jesus, hey, Biggin, aren't you hungry? Aren't you hungry? And the answer would be, of course, Jesus is hungry. Aren't you tired? Yeah, I'm really tired. Aren't you a little worn out? Yeah, I'm a little worn out. 
Blood sugar a little low, lacking a little carbs, yeah, a little protein, yeah. If you're God, why don't you make all this go away? Turn those rocks into bread and eat because you're tired. Now, could Jesus turn the rocks into bread? Of course he could. Created the heavens and the earth, do whatever he wants, right? Was it logical? Was that a good idea? Yeah, there's a lot of logic behind it. That makes a lot of sense. That's a way that would seem right to a person. I'm hungry. They're going to turn the rocks into bread. Why didn't he do that? Okay, so let's pick this apart a little bit. I want you to see this. When Jesus was at his weakest, when he was at his most exhausted, that's when the imitation brand comes in. Because when I am worn out, if you offer me something that's quick, easy, and readily available, I am very tempted to take that door and get out of my trials. Now guys, this is what happens. We tend to make the deepest commitments in our life when we're full, when we're full. When I feel loved and I feel excited and I have great vision for a relationship with a, with a man or a woman in marriage, that's when I tend to make my wedding vows. When I am full kind of spiritually and excited to serve God, that's when I'll decide that I'm gonna give my life to Jesus and let him define and direct it. When we have a little bundle of joy and they're actually joyful, <laughs> that's when we decide I'm gonna be a dedicated parent. I wanna I want be totally in on that. When we're doing well financially and we have some extra, that's when we decide, hey, you know what? I want my life to be defined by generosity. I wanna be a generous person who doesn't hoard money for myself, I wanna invest it for other people. When we're rested and full, we tend to make the decisions with a clear head and a clear heart about how our life is gonna play out and be invested, right? And we mean it, we mean it, because we, we are clear at that moment and we look and say, this would be a life well lived. 40 days later is a very different story. I'm hungry, I'm spent, I'm weak, and I'm exhausted, and that's when the imitation brands make a lot of sense. I'm in this marriage, and it's not going well. It is difficult. It is painful. I might have married the devil. I can't tell, right? <laughs> you can get out of it. God wouldn't want you to be unhappy. You can make it go away. See? My child is no longer a bundle of joy. They're a teenager, now they're the spawn of the devil, right? And they're difficult, and I don't wanna, and what I really, it, you know what, you don't have to disciple your kid. You can just put them in every sports program imaginable. You can play golf. You can take the promotion that lets you travel a lot. You can leave the spiritual leadership of your home up to your wife, it's kind of woman's work anyways. I was a very generous person, and then the economy hit, then I got downsized, and now my generosity and my desire to do that actually means sacrifice on my part because I don't have a bunch of leftover money. And all of a sudden, greed creeps in, and I'm not sure I want to give to you, I want to keep for myself. And everything I want to spend my life on makes a ton of sense, and the path is very clear when I'm full and I'm rested. But when I'm weary and I'm hungry, I can get out of this, I can make it go away, I can ease the pain, I can numb myself and distract my life. That's when the imitation brand is gonna show up and that's when it's gonna make all kinds of sense. 
So when the devil comes to Jesus, he's like, are you hungry? Yeah. Would you like to eat? Yep. Why don't you turn these rocks into bread? It's a very logical play. Anybody with your power would feed themselves. Anybody with your power would make this go away. Why don't you do it, Jesus? It's a big question. Why didn't he? It's not that big of a deal. Just turn some rocks into bread, right? Eat. Why didn't he? Well, the reason that Jesus wouldn't do that, he caught it. He said, you are tempting me. This is an imitation brand. The reason he didn't do it is because of verse one. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted to fast. Jesus looked at Satan, he said, no, 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 no. It is the spirit of God, it's my father who brought me to this place. It's my father who taught me or told me I should fast. It's my father who allowed this trial in my life. The quick out causes me to break the plan, the purpose of my father. You are trying to get me to work against where my father has me by trying to make my pain go away. And when Satan throws that at him, Jesus returns the volley in verse four. He says, man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Listen, making my problems go away is not the key to happiness. Making my problems go away it is not what I live for. God's word in my life supersedes anything that you could offer me. My father's plan for me supersedes your way to get this pain to go away. My father's will is more valuable to me than this quick, easy, cheap solution. See, all you gotta do is walk out on these wedding vows. No, I made those vows before God. All you gotta do is check out as a parent. No, these children were given to me by God. I'm the spiritual leader of my home. All you gotta do is think about your own wants, needs, and desires. No, I'm gonna put other people's interests above myself. God's will. I decided that it's going to define me and direct me, and it's really gonna take precedent, especially when I'm weak and tired and the alternatives make all kinds of sense. See? It's gonna show up there. And Jesus kind of stubbornly said, no, 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 I see what you're doing. I'm gonna see through the path that my father has put me on. The imitation brands always gonna show up when we're weak, tired, and hungry. Here's another thing to think about with the imitation brands. Imitation brands are often gonna misrepresent the truth of scripture. They're gonna misrepresent the truth of scripture. And this is the next ploy that the devil tried. Verse five, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, he will command the angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Satan says, hey, Jesus, listen, your father got you into this, so if you want to make sure God loves you, demand that God shows up in a certain way. Make the father prove that he loves you, and then Satan does something crafty. This is a classic, classic ploy of the devil. Here it is, ready, look at it. 
He will command his angels concerning you that they will lift you up in his hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You know what Satan just did? He accurately quoted the Bible. That's Psalms 91. That's actually a verse in the Bible. Satan quoted it, and he did not misquote it. He accurately quoted the Bible and said, hey, Jesus, here's a little Bible verse for you. If you make this verse mean what you want it to mean, then your father has to show up and do what you want him to do. And one of the classic ways the imitation brands show up is an accurate quote or an accurate concept from scripture that is not rooted in sound doctrine and proper theology, so it is misapplied. And when the scripture is misapplied, what we're trying to get God to do doesn't happen, and when God doesn't do what we want him to do, we get an incomplete, inaccurate view of God, and it causes us to mistrust his heart and his mind. Let me give you an example of this. Um, does the Bible say that God wants to bless you? Does the Bible say that? You can answer me, you won't get tased, actually. All right. Yeah, the Bible says that. The Bible says, God, does God want to bless you? Sure, God wants to bless you. See, God wants to bless me? Yeah, God wants to bless you. God, God wants to give me good things in my life? Yep, absolutely, God wants to give you good things in your life. Well, that's, that's incredible. So if I ask anything in the name of the Lord, it will be done for me? Is that a real verse? Yeah, it's part of a real verse. That's fantastic. So if I ask God for a new car, I'll get a new car? If I ask God to to take all of my problems away, will he take all my problems away? If I ask God to heal my loved one from a sickness, will he heal my loved one from a sickness? Because he wants to bless me and wants to give me anything I ask in his name. If If I pray over my wife, will I wake up with a better wife the next morning? Give it a shot. Let me know how it goes. Right? It is a, so if I, whatever I want God to do, because he loves me, he wants to bless me, if I ask him to do something, he'll do it for me? Does the Bible say these words? Yeah. Does the Bible lay out this concept? Yeah. So it means this? No. Not like even close. If I ask anything in the Lord, he'll give it to me? Yeah, if you ask according to his will, I mean, there's the rest of the verse. So if I ask God to use me for his glory, God will do that? Yeah. If I ask God, if the highest blessing God gives me is to make me more like Christ, even sharing in his sufferings, God will bless me with that? Yeah, he will. You ask God to make you more like Jesus, God will bless you with trials, with persecution. You get all you can have, right? He will load you up. He will give you that. That's never on a t-shirt, is it? Because scripture accurately quoted but misrepresented causes us to have a false view of God. When I look and say, oh, the Bible teaches that God actually doesn't exist for me, but I exist for him. And the highest gift he can give me is me becoming more and more like him. And the fastest track for that happening is trials, James chapter one. And Satan looked at Jesus and said, here's a verse for you, big guy. Why don't you demand that your father prove his love? And Jesus looked at Satan and said, no, no, no. My father doesn't have to prove anything to me. I know he loves me, he told me. 
I do trust him. I am following him. And the scripture says, you don't put the Lord your God to the test. God is under no obligation to prove himself to me. He did it. I'm here. I'm headed to the cross. And God does not exist to fulfill my whims and wants and desires. That's not what being blessed by God means fully. It means that he has given himself and made himself available. Don't. I'm not going to throw myself from the temple and make my father bail me out. Get out of here. And Jesus read it, and he realized this is an invitation brand. It's close, but it's a knockoff. I'm not going to fall for it. And I'm going to lean back and trust my father, because I love my father. I'm going to follow my father, and this is where he has me, this is where he led me, and this is the plan. Now, Satan comes around a third time then. And he shows up again, and he gives it one more shot in verse 8. So again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Satan comes to Jesus a third time. They go out to this mountain. He says, hey, look around, look around. If you change teams and you worship me, I will make you king of kings and lord of lords. You will rule the kingdoms of the earth. All you gotta do is change teams. And instead of responding to the Lord your God, your father, and worshiping him alone, you just worship me, just change teams. It's a classic imitation brand. Satan looks at Jesus and says, hey, listen, all you gotta do is switch sides. My side is easier, quicker, and cheaper. Because you're going to be Lord of Lords and King of Kings. I'll make that happen for you. Just worship me instead. Let's examine your father's path to this. First, you got to show up here on earth. And you got to be born in a barn. And then you got to grow up with skin on, and that's lame. Now you have to start your ministry, and you're going to do miracles, and a bunch of people are going to just want to take from you. A bunch of other people aren't going to believe you. And a bunch of other people are going to try to kill you. And then finally, they're going to succeed, and you're going to get taken to the cross, and you're going to get suffered, you're going to suffer, and you're going to be beaten, and you're going to bleed, and then you're going to be crucified, and you're going to hang there till you suffocate. And then supposedly, God is going to raise you from the dead, right? And that's the plan, so you can be king of kings and lord of lords. How about you just worship me, and I'll make it happen for you? It's cheaper, it's easier, it's quicker. And Jesus pushes back and says, it's funny, you can almost see Jesus roll his eyes. And he answers him and he says, listen, get away from me. Get away from me. I want nothing to do with it because the Bible says, the scripture says, I'm to worship God and God alone. Jesus heard that temptation and listen, he heard the fundamental flaw in it. There's a fundamental flaw in what Satan said. And Jesus recognized it. The fundamental flaw is this. Satan can't deliver on that promise. That's a deal he can't make. If you're a Bible junkie, then you, you, you know the story of Job. When Satan wanted to test Job, he had to get God's permission to do it. Satan can't give away the world. He can't make Jesus king. He, he can't deliver on, he made a promise he can't keep. And Jesus looked at him and said, just, he wrote, get, get out of here. My hair's not going to grow back. I'm not going to lose 50 pounds. Get out. I'm not ordering that. It's not going to work. 
get out of here. There's no way that I would shift because there is a path to complete what the Father has started. There is a path to receive what the Father has promised. And you can't even make it happen. Get away from me, Satan. And what happened next is fantastic because verse 11, the Bible says, then the devil left him. Which by the way is a promise that God makes to you and I. When we resist temptation, it flees from us, the Bible says. It will will run away when we stand firm in Christ. So Jesus, of course, stood firm, rebutted all the counter arguments. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. And I actually think it's a very important verse because a lot of us were raised to believe that if I love God and I'm gonna follow God, what I gotta do is I gotta gut it out. I'm gonna get tempted, I got some temptation coming. And I'm gonna gut it out, I'm gonna stand firm, gut it out. And I'm gonna kinda make it through life and I'm gonna die a miserable death and maybe it pays off in heaven and that's the plan, praise the Lord. (laughs) It's a horrible way to live. Jesus says, I wanna give you life and life to the fullest. I'm gonna give you eternal life and I'm gonna make your life count and matter and mean something on the planet. There's not a gutted out mindset in the Bible. So it's very important to look. As these temptation brands came to Jesus, he saw them. So he's like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. I'm trusting my father. I love my father. I'm following the plan of my father. He resisted the temptation, resisted the devil, and the devil fleed, took off, left him. And then what happened? Then the angels came and attended him. Who sent them? See, the father didn't leave Jesus starving to death in the wilderness. He didn't look at Jesus and say, good job, boy. Now crawl on your belly out of the desert. (laughs) He saw his son. He loved his son. He understood his son's needs, and he attended to him. The angels came. God never left him, never forsook him, never was out of the situation. And the angels came and they fed Jesus. I actually like to think that they brought food from heaven. That was probably the first home-cooked meal Jesus had in 30 years. Tasted a lot better than rock bread. And he was restored physically and his needs were met and he was renewed spiritually because he loved and he trusted and he followed his father. Now guys, when we're talking about this idea of where do I, which path do I pick? Because everybody says I should do this, but God says to do this and it seems like they don't line up much. One of the fundamental things that we have to trust about God is this. When you have a desire of your heart, when you have a passion in your life, God actually wants to give you what you want. He wants to give me a new car? No, because you don't want a new car. I don't? No. (laughs) He actually wants to give you, God wants to give me a good time? No, because you don't really want a good time. I I thought I did. (laughs) Nope. See, God knows us so well, he knows what we actually long for. We think we want happiness. God knows what we actually want is joy, and they're very different, because I can make myself happy. See, I, I've never bought something that I didn't, I didn't enjoy buying for at least an hour. I can make myself happy. I've never, I've never had a good time where I wasn't having a good time. 
but it's not sustainable. See, the, the new TV becomes the old TV and the new car becomes the old car and the good time ends and now I have to have another one and it's gotta be better than the last one. And God looks and says, you're, you're not desiring that, you're desiring joy, where you wake up in the morning and there's a satisfaction and you wake up in the morning and there's a twinkle in your eye and you wake up in the morning and you're excited to live the day. We think we want somebody to want us. Yeah, I, I, wanna, I just wanna hook, I wanna hook up, I wanna be with somebody, you know, I wanna mess around, that's what I like to do. So we'll forsake all of our morality for lust. And Jesus will say, you, do, you don't want lust. I don't. Nah, you don't want that at all. Well, because I really feel like I want that right now. <laughs> nah, that's not what you want, huh? What do you want? What do I want then? You actually wanna be loved. Because lust is gonna run its course. Lust gets crazy, lust gets gross. You actually wanna be loved. You wanna express love in a loving relationship. And love is patient, and love is kind, and love is gentle, and love is forgiving, and love is secure, and lust is none of those things. See, We think we want independence. I wanna do what I wanna do. No, you don't, I don't, no, I don't. I don't, no, you don't. Why am I talking to myself, right? But I don't want, no. You want security. I thought I wanted freedom. No. You want freedom because you think if I can do whatever I wanna do, I can control my life, which will make me feel secure. You think you're gonna protect yourself in it. It's not what you want, because you can't even do that. But there's a relationship with me, and I will love you, I will never leave you, I will not forsake you, I will give you a security that supersedes all the relationships that you think you can control, but you can't. See, there's a place that we have to lock in and say, God, God actually knows me better than I know myself. And he, he knows, he knew at 21 what I finally figured out at 50. And he's gonna know now what I might figure out when I'm 70. And he's gonna know now what will finally clarify itself on my deathbed. That the guy with the most toys just dies. But the guy with the life that was well lived leaves a legacy, has a peace. And the guy that has a relationship with Christ isn't even afraid of death because the Bible says that when I die as a Christian, I actually start to live. I'm trusting. That God isn't working against me, he's working for me, he wants what I want. But he knows the way to actually pull it off. And what we've been doing throughout this whole series is I've been trying to like break this down into bite-sized chunks. And so we call these the ingredients to get what you really want out of life, right? The ingredients to get what you really want. So there's three ingredients and they're high level ingredients but they really kind of show up in our life in real time. It's kind of the way to cap off this conversation. So here's the three ingredients to get what you really want out of life. Number one, the first ingredient to get what you really want out of life is you, you must choose to trust Christ. There is a path of life. And down that path of life is eternal life and it's life to the fullest. It's everything that Jesus promises and by the way, he can deliver on. I want you to back down that path and I want you to think of a gate. There's a gate on that path. In that gate, the way that we enter that path is our salvation through Christ. I receive my salvation from Christ by simply trusting Christ. 
I trust what Christ says about me. And what Christ says about me is that I'm a sinner. Like left to myself, I will sin. Who's lied? Who's cheated? Who's stolen something? Who's been jealous? Right, you broke four of the 10 commandments. So you're a sinner, like you're in, right? We're all in the sinner club. We're born that way, the Bible says. Well, that sin is actually a major problem to God. Because God can't tolerate it, he can't be around it, he can't accept it, his holiness and his righteousness won't, won't allow it. So I have to trust that when Jesus says that about me, it's actually true. I'm actually not a good person, I'm a sinful person. Then I have to trust that what Jesus says about himself is true. Because Jesus says, you know who I am, I am the way, I am the truth, I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father unless they come through me. Unless I forgive your sins, that's why I live, that's why I died on the cross, that's why I rose again. Unless I forgive your sins, you can't, you can't have eternal life. You can't go down the path of life. So I am your savior. I'm the one who will save you from your sin. I have to trust that. And it's hard to trust because there's all kinds of competing ideas that tell me otherwise over here. Most of us were taught that we're our own savior. That if I can be a good enough person or if I can find strength within myself or I can set a goal and meet it, that that's what will save me. And that's not true, that's an imitation brand. Many of us were taught that religion saves us. I, I just get wet when I'm a baby or I go to church as many times or I just write this big of a check and, and somehow I kind of like pacify God and I'm in. And the Bible's really clear, like that's not gonna work. See? Jesus says, I'm it. It's not another religion, it's not a, th not a thought process, it's not yourself. You have to trust that I'm it and accept that you're a sinner, accept that I'm your savior and ask the forgiveness of your sin. And the Bible calls that faith. Faith is choosing to believe in what I cannot and will not under understand. I choose to. I know that I don't understand it all, but I choose to do it. Every one of us who has ever been married or is married now has acted on faith. When I, when I married Heidi 22 years ago, I made a faith decision. I chose to give myself to her and chose to believe she was giving herself to me and neither one of us had any idea what we were getting ourselves into. But it was an act of faith, right? I'm choosing to do something. I could have chosen another woman. I mean, they were like lined up, applications were being submitted. I could have done that, but I've wanted to bless Heidi, right? <laughs> She's at the extension. <laughs> I'm gonna choose Jesus, so I gotta trust that, okay? It's the first ingredient. Here's the second one. I have to choose to trust Christ. The second thing is I have to choose to love Christ. It's different. Choose to love Christ. Now, when I was growing up, I grew up in church, and uh, what, I, what our church was is we go to church uh, several times a week, but at least on Sundays, I go to church, we sing a couple songs, and the pastor would yell at you for an hour, literally, and then you go home, and that was church, right? And so I was used to that. I'd go to church, I'd get yelled at for an hour, and I'd go home. And every once in a while, we'd have what we call revival services. And revival services is when you went to church every night, and some other pastor came in and yelled at you for an hour. That's what revival services were. And so we had a revival service, and I was getting yelled at by some guy I'd never met before. And I was standing there, I, I was seven, eight years old probably, and I was drawing on the back of the offering envelope, because that's how you survive church, as you became an artist. And the guy was yelling at us about something, 
and he, he hit the pulpit, literally pounded the pulpit, caught my attention, and he goes, he goes, do you want to go to hell? And I'm like, Ugh. you know? He goes, do you want to go to hell? And I, I, he wasn't pointing at me, but I felt like he was. I'm like, Ugh. and he goes, if you don't want to go to hell, you need to accept Jesus right now. If you don't want, if you want to get out of the fires of hell and not burn forever, you better accept Jesus right now. And I was like, I am in. <laughs> I'm all about not going to hell, you know? And he goes, if you want to accept Jesus and not go to hell, you better come forward right now. And the come forward meant you, you would get out of your seat and walk to the front of the auditorium and you, you accepted God, right? And so I'm like, I, I couldn't get out of that seat fast enough because I was like all about eternity non-smoking was my option, right? <laughs> So I went forward and they took me to a back room and somebody prayed over me and said, do you want to not go to hell? I was like, I don't want to go to hell. Came back out and everybody was like, Jeff's not going to hell anymore. And I was like, that's good, that's good news. Now here's the problem, ready? When Jesus preached to thousands of people, he never asked who doesn't want to go to hell. You won't find it. When he called his disciples, he didn't, he didn't walk up to Peter, James, and John and say, hey, who doesn't want to go to hell? When Jesus called out to people, he asked a very different question. He said this, he goes, who will follow me? Later on, a guy comes around and a guy says, uh, he goes, hey, Jesus, he goes, what's, what's the biggest rule in the whole Bible? Tell me, the, tell me the greatest commandment. What's the biggest rule in the whole Bible? And Jesus looked at the guy and he said, the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Is hell a real place? It's, it's completely real. Do real people go to hell? Every moment of every day, tragically, real people go to hell. Is me being a Christian just a way for me to get out of hell? No, because it's not what Jesus called for. He said, who will love me? Who will follow me? And choosing to love God is very different than choosing to not go to hell. Because when I choose not to go to hell, all I'm asking is, what's the bare minimum to keep me out of hell? It's like jail, right? What do I gotta do? How fast can I go before they just throw me in jail? See, it's a very different question. It's about limits, it's about works, it's about what, what do I gotta do to stay out of jail exactly? Love is something very different because when I chose to love my wife, I wasn't saying, now what do I gotta do to like keep you from like leaving me, right? Some of the men in here were like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I've been asking the wrong questions for a while, right? <laughs> what I said to Heidi was I said, I love you. And love is not what do I have to do. Love is how can I give more of myself? I love you. I want to lavish on you. I want to give. I want to empty myself. It's not how do I stay out. It's how do I go all in in this relationship? So I'm trusting Christ. It's a, it's, a, it's a decision. You make it with your brain. You're choosing faith, right? Choose to believe what he said about me. Choose to believe what he said about himself. And then I'm loving. I, I, it's not what do I got to do. It's how can I do more? Look what you've done for me. You went all in for me. I want to go all in for you. And then... Last ingredient, I'm gonna to choose to trust, I'm gonna to choose to love, I'm gonna to choose to follow Christ, see? It's literally the idea of I choose you, I love you for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. 
following Christ. And guys, here's the deal. The Christ path, the, the path that Jesus leads you down is, is never one that you would have picked for yourself. Because if I, if I was gonna tell God like how to lay out a relationship with each other, it would be all about like happiness and me being rich and things going my way and no one I love ever dying. Like I'd be all, and I'd be like, just set my life up the way that you want my life, I want my life to be set up, make that happen. And Jesus would look and say, but I wanna bless you. And I, wanna, I want you to experience what it's like to be with me and that will deepen your love for me. So the, the path I'm gonna take you down is not the one that's gonna insulate you from ever being dependent on me. The path I'm gonna take you down is gonna be the one that's gonna allow you to bring glory to me. It's gonna look more like caring for your dying parents. It's gonna look more like remaining in a difficult marriage because marriage actually isn't about your happiness. That's a lie. Marriage is about your holiness. It's gonna, it's gonna look more like faithfully loving a prodigal child. It's gonna look more like trials that you oddly embrace with joy because they will mature you and complete you so you don't lack anything. When I follow Christ, Christ, he's not gonna take me down the path I would've set out for myself. I don't need Jesus for that. This is the path that seems right to me, but in the end, it leads to death. It's not going to give me what it promised to give me. I want to follow Christ. It's a path of life. And in the end, it's going to give me a fulfilling, meaningful life. In the end is eternal security and salvation. In the end is treasure in heaven. In the end, that's actually going to give me what I desired depths of my heart. What's the imitation brand look like? Well, it looks like what happened with Jesus. I mean, that's the way it's gonna play. So what do I have to do at the, at the baseline of my heart? Well, you gotta trust Christ. You, gotta, you, gotta get, you Do you say I do or not? Like, we gotta get into this thing. And then I'm loving Christ. I'm not, it's not get out, of, get out of hell for free. That's not really what he wants. It's a byproduct of loving him. It's not the main thing. And, and then I'm in it. For better or for worse, sickness, health, rich or poor. Where you go, I'm with you, because I love you. I trust that you love me. You guys, let me ask you this question. Has there ever been a time in your life where you on purpose accepted Jesus as your savior? Not grow up in the church, not be a spiritual person, not I'm a good guy, but on purpose, you decided, not your mom and dad or your grandma, you decided, I trust Christ. I commit to loving Christ. I commit to following Christ. As deliberately as you would take a wedding vow, you look at, your, you look at Jesus and say, I, I want that. Will you forgive me for my sin? Will you save me? And will you define and direct me? Has there ever been a time where you on purpose made that decision to interact with Christ that way? And if you haven't, I, I encourage you to today. You don't have to come forward. And there's not a magic prayer. It's a, it's a heart deal. It's from your heart to Jesus' heart. I trust you. 
I want to love you. I will follow you. Now, for some of us here, you never even heard, you've never heard any of this before. And you're sitting here and you're like, I, I didn't grow up in church. I'm just here because it's the only way to get to Rockneys later. And like, like I, and what I'm saying is like brand new. Like you, you never heard it before. But this is the deal. Let me tell you what happens sometimes. Never heard it before, but for some reason it makes sense and it clicks. Isn't that weird? Because you're hearing something you never heard before, but you're like, I don't, it makes sense and it clicks. Like I, that's what I want. And what, what's happening is the Bible says that's actually something spiritual that's happening with you. It's not weird, it's just spiritual. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God, the same spirit that led Jesus out in the wilderness, that guy, he draws us to Christ. So all of a sudden, information we never heard before and things about ourselves and about God that we never heard before Spiritually, they make sense for us. And the Bible says that God does that so we can respond to it. And you, have, you make the same decision that everybody else makes. I, I'm in, like, I, I don't know. I'm in for some reason, like it makes sense to me. Jesus, I trust you. Forgive me for my sin, I accept you. I wanna love you, I don't really know what I'm getting myself into, but I'm gonna say I do. And I'll follow you. You define me, you direct me, I'm in for this trip, right? And if it's new to you, but it makes sense to you on, on a weird level, like you're surprised, that's God telling you that he loves you and that he wants to connect with you this way. And I encourage you to do the same thing. You don't, there's no secret prayer. It's not, it's not a big trick, right? It, God's real blatant about what he's doing. He's helping you know him. So from your heart to his heart, You'd make the same sets of decisions. I trust you, I love you, I wanna follow you, right? Okay, I'm gonna pray, and as I pray, the band will settle in, and then they'll take us into a time where we can think and be still for a little bit and process through all that we, uh, we've talked about today. Jesus, thanks for loving us so much that you gave yourself. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving your only son Thank you for the salvation that is in you and you alone, Jesus. And Lord, we know that you work supernaturally. So you can cut through all the opinions and all the competing ideas and somehow, God, you spiritually can seed yourself in our hearts. And if you're doing that today for many, God, help them to respond to you. For all of us, God, help us to bat away these invitations. They're everywhere, always being told something's better than you. And Jesus, let us follow your example. Just push it away and kind of set our hearts and set our minds on you and things above. We love you. Thanks for loving us. Help us in these ways. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.